that this boy, that he reached out his hand and he grabbed his brother's heels. But, but couldn't you have given him a name that would have been just a little bit nicer than supplanter and deceiver? You know, a, a different name that would have a better reputation. See, the problem with naming your child something like deceiver is that they just might grow up to embody what their name represents. No, Esau. Esau, in, in a moment of despair, after losing both his birthright and his blessing, he yelled out, this is in Genesis 27, he says, he says Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. I, I've had to call him deceiver his whole life. And I'm telling you, that name fits him well. It was just odd to me that a parent would ever name their child something that, that would carry with that the reputation. This reputation of a deceiver. Especially when you think of this in the context of the Old Testament. You know, where names, were, had, had, they were given such a high level of importance. It, you know, it wasn't like today where you can search through this database of a thousand popular names and, and you know, pick out the one that, that fits your child. But at, at that time, names, very, very important. That's how it used to be. They were a crucial part of creating the identity of your child. You have names like Ezekiel. Ezekiel, which means God gives strength. I mean, that, that provides an identity for that child. God gives strength. You have Joshua, the Lord is my salvation, or Seth, which, which means appointed and, and placed. And Hannah, which means grace. Samuel, which is told by God. These, these are names. You understand the, the importance of these names. These are names that they provide a clear identity that's wrapped around a future with God. Yeah, here stands Jacob, the deceiver. It's interesting to look into the naming trends that, that have taken place uh, throughout history. And we're all aware that, that there's, there's trends in naming children. I mean, you just don't really see today very many names like Ethel or Gertrude, Elmer. I mean, those you just don't, don't see those names. They're not common anymore yet. Uh, yet in the, in around 1900, all, all of those names were in the top 25 most popular names in America. It's just, it's just not particular, uh, you know, it's just not, it's not just particular names, though, that go in and out of style, but also the, the way that you choose the names. And, and one of these naming conventions, one of the ways that, that you would choose to name a child is, um, is this phrase, it's called, it's called patronymic names. Just laying a base work here this morning. We're going somewhere. There's patronymic names. That means, means basically that the name comes from the father. The, the name is derived from the name of the father. This is a kind of, in a way, uh, where, where you would call somebody a junior um, that's in a way a, a patronymic name, but we see this in, in a different way in Scripture. In, in that time, the naming conventions of that day, there were names, that patronymic names, that were not junior, but rather it was names like Simon Bar-Jonah or 
Benoni, Benjamin, Bartholomew, Bartimaeus, or Barabbas. These, these are names. This is a name that is derived from the father. Simon Barjona, that's the, that's the name, the other name of, of Peter, the, the disciple of Jesus. That means Simon, Bar, meaning son of, Simon the son of Jonah. Benoni, that's the name that, that Rachel wanted to give her, her last born child, this, this child that uh, she died in, in childbirth. And before she died, she was in, uh, you know, had, know that she, she has having a lot of complications during this birth. And she cries out, name him Benoni, meaning the son of my sorrow. But the father, refusing to name him Benoni, I don't want him to be known as the son of sorrow. But rather, let's name him Benjamin, meaning the son of my right hand. Bar, meaning son of, or Ben, meaning son of. The son of my right hand. You have Bartholomew. This is one of the disciples of Jesus. This is uh, the son of Ptolemy. Bartimaeus. This is the blind beggar that Jesus met on the side of the road. It simply means that he was the son of Timaeus. May not have had, I don't know if he had any other identity outside of that. He's just simply Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And, and perhaps I, I could say maybe this is the most telling of these names of, of any of these Barabbas. It was Barabbas. Barabbas is the one that he was the, 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 one, the worst of the worst, the one that, uh, that Pilate says you can either, uh, you can either let Jesus go. Or you can let Barabbas go. You choose. This Barabbas is a bad guy. He's a bad character. And, and who do they cry out? They say, let Barabbas go. Crucify Jesus. What does Barabbas mean? It means they're just son of the father. Son of a father. I think that's... I, we, I, don't, I don't have any anything to... Uh, to definitely say that this is the case but but it seems to be that perhaps he was an illegitimate child his mother an outcast of society that someone who maybe slept around she doesn't know who the father is but all i know is he's the son of some father out there bar the son of abba father he's the son of a father now why why am i telling you all of this why uh, what does it matter that rebecca named her child jacob and then he went on to become a deceiver why should I be con- concerned about Bartimaeus, who didn't even know his identity outside of it's, it's, you know, I'm the son of Timaeus or Barabbas. I'm the son of a father. Why should we be concerned about this today? Why should we be concerned about our name? See, I'm not talking today about the name that your parents gave you when you were born. But you do have a name. Your name is your identity. Your name is how others know you. There's a lot of people here today who have a patronymic name that has, been, that has defined your life to this point. A name that, in our, or an identity that it doesn't start with Ben, it doesn't start with Bar, it doesn't end with a junior, but your name, your identity has been defined by your family tree. Your family lived in poverty for as long as you know, and now here you are in the throes of poverty yourself. Your identity is defined by your family tree. 
Your father struggled with alcohol, and so I'm going to struggle with alcohol. Your parents were divorced, so I'm going to end up in divorce. Or at least I'm fearful that I'm going to end up in divorce. Come on, there was never a true commitment that your parents made to God. And so here you are, you struggling with your commitment to God. It's an identity that's wrapped up in your family tree. It's an identity that's been passed down to you from generation to generation. And perhaps you've identified it within yourself and you've thrown your hands up and you said, okay, this is just who I am. This is my identity. This is a generational curse. I can't break this. This is the name. This is the identity that I bear. And I'm just going to end up being what my name says I am. But I've come here today to tell somebody that you can break the generational curse. You can break, come on, the very thing that your parents or your generations would say that you would become. You don't have to be what everybody else, when they look at your family tree and they say, this is who you will be. You don't have to be defined by that. Come on, you don't have to be resigned to what everybody else who came before you was. By the power of the Holy Ghost, generational curses can be broken. They can be broken in a moment. They can be broken today. Come on, you can come down to an altar today and you can say, Lord, I cry out to you right now. And I have an identity that's so wrapped up in who I was or who my family was. And God, I've lived this and I don't know how to break out of this cycle in my mind of who I am, who I identify as. But in a moment, the Holy Ghost can sweep in. Come on, and it can break a generational curse of who you have identified yourself with. Well, no longer will your identity be shaped by the struggles of those who came before you. God can give you a brand new identity. He can give you a brand new name. He will break the generational curse that has plagued, that has plagued you for all of these years. You don't have to be a victim of who you were. You don't have to be a victim of your past. You can be victorious through God. I'm talking today about a new name, a new name. Come on, you can have a new name today. God can give you a new name. When Jacob wrestled with the man that night who was, who was really the, who Jacob was wrestling with was either an angel or a theophany of God. It's, it's one or the other, but, but he is, he's wrestling with this messenger of God or, or this, this manifestation of God himself. And, and when he was wrestling with him, the question came out of that man said, what is your name? He wasn't asking him that because he didn't know the name of the one that he was wrestling with. He wanted Jacob to say out of his mouth, this is who I am. This is my identity. What is your name? He says, Jacob, deceiver. That's who I am. My mother named me deceiver. I was born that way. That's what I've been all my life. I've lived up to my name. But in one moment, God says, that is not your name any longer. 
You wrestled with me until the break of day. You got into my presence and you would not let go of me. Come on, the wrestling match, it took place. It took place the night before Jacob was getting ready to go back and see his brother Esau, who he hadn't seen in about 20 years. The last he knew, he had left Esau. He had stolen everything from him. He was afraid his brother was going to kill him. And so he left the country. He got out of there. But he feels God drawing him back. Go back to your family. He's getting ready to meet with his brother. And I'm sure there's an identity crisis going on in his mind. Who am I? The night before, I'm getting ready to see my brother. He's thinking, have I really changed? Have I really changed? And I've been here, it's been 20 years. I was always a deceiver. Have I changed? I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God wants to change some names here this morning. Just like he changed the name of Jacob. Because as Jacob is wrestling with this identity crisis of who am I, God, or this, this man that he's wrestling with, calls out to him and says, that's your name. You may identify as the deceiver, but that's not your name any longer. I want you from this day forward to be called Israel, the prince of God. You were a deceiver, but you've been changed. You have a new name. You were a deceiver. You were a supplanter. You are now a prince. God can change your name today. There are certain things in your past, certain things in your past that you have allowed to define you that are not the will of God. It is not the will of God that those things in your past would define you. Revelation tells us, behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. Well, if you've been washed in the waters of baptism, then you have a new identity. You were made a new creation. Your sins, your sins are gone. Your past is erased. When you are washed in the waters of baptism, that name of Jesus is applied to your life. Everything about your past is gone. He said, it's as far as the east is from the west. I forgot it all. You have a new identity. But maybe you're here today and you say, yeah, but I made some big mistakes since that day when I was baptized. And there are some big mistakes that you've allowed to define you since you got that new identity as a new creation in Christ. I'm thankful. Well, I'm thankful today that we can have our murder, that God's mercies are brand new every single day. His mercies are new every morning. That when we come up, come on, and we wake up in the morning, God says, my my mercies are brand new. Come on, we can come. Paul says, I die daily. I die daily. I I come under the cross every day. I I come and I realize I've made mistakes, but God has forgiven me. Let me put on that new identity. Let me go back to the day I was baptized every single day. Every single day. And there comes a time when every believer must make a decision. Every believer must make a decision that you can't sit on a fence forever. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You're either going to make a choice to follow God wherever he leads you. Or you are going to continue living in your past and be defined by this world. It wasn't too long ago. 
I was I was sitting with someone and, and I asked him if he had made that decision yet to follow God. He'd, he'd already been baptized. He'd already been filled with the Holy Ghost. But I said, have you made up your mind that you are going to follow God? I, I know, well, you're, you're a Christian. I know that, but I'm asking, are, are you really going to follow God? Are you going to sell out to him? He looked at me and says, honestly, I haven't made up my mind yet. I feel like I have a lot of things that I want to do before I make up my mind on that. I told him, I said, you don't have much time to think about it because soon someone's going to make up your mind for you. Listen here. If you give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. If you think that you're going to test out the world and your lust is, is satisfied, then you are sadly mistaken. Your lust can never be satisfied. It can never be satisfied. That desire for the forbidden will never be satisfied. You are always going to want more from the world. And the world is going to keep promising you, I can give you more. I can give you more. I can give you more. But it's never going to satisfy you. But it will always tell you, I can give you more. And so your lust will always say, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. See, either God is going to give you a new name or the world is going to give you a new name. This is, this is one of the things that we see throughout history. If you know the story of, of Nebuchadnezzar, how he, he enslaved the, or came and, and, uh, and captured some of the Israelites, the people in Judah, and he brought them back to Babylon. What was the very first thing that he did once they got into Babylon? He renamed them. Daniel. Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, he, he renames them, gave them new names. He stripped them of their Hebrew identity. You say, who's Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael? It's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Daniel, given a new name. You have the same thing happens. We see Pharaoh did this. He, he, gave, he gave Joseph a new name. You are Zaphnath Paneah. This, this concept of, of renaming the captives was to let them know you have a new identity. If you're living in this land, you cannot hold on to your old identity. Well, that is exactly what Satan wants to do as soon as you step foot into his kingdom. Well, you better recognize that the world, this world belongs to Satan. He's the prince. He's the power of this air. And when he was cast out of heaven, he set up his kingdom here on this earth. And when you start toying with the things in his kingdom, your identity changes. Or remember, you are a blood-bought. Come on, you were blood-bought, born-again, child of the king. That is your identity. That is your name. That is who I am. But... If you keep your feet in the kingdom of Satan for long enough, he will strip you of that identity. He will strip you of your identity as the child of the king. He, he, will, he will cause you to be someone who is unrecognizable from who you once were. Well, don't give Satan the opportunity today to give you a new name. Remember, come on, you may be in this world, but you are not of this world. Don't take up residency here in this world because you're just passing through this. 
Come on, this is not my home. This is not my home. I, I, I don't want, come on, my identity to be, to be wrapped up in this world. So you have a choice today. Either God's going to rename you or Satan's going to rename you. And that name, it's synonymous with, with your passions. That's, what I'm talking about is your passions, your interests, your, uh, your identity, the things that define you. That is your name. See, Jacob, Jacob, he wrestled with God. He wouldn't let go until God blessed him. And, and why, why is that significant? You see, the last thing that Jacob had stolen from his brother through the deception of his father's uh, blessing that he was giving was, was this blessing of his father. This was the spiritual equivalent of, of the birthright inheritance. He'd already stolen the birthright. Now he's stealing the blessing that goes along with it. And, and this is something that was supposed to be given to the firstborn. Esau was the firstborn. And, and, and here's Jacob. He is coming in. He's taking that. But what he's doing is he's intertwining this with his identity as a deceiver. If, you could re, if he could receive a blessing from God, then he no longer had to deal with the guilt of his past identity. What's he doing when he's wrestling with God? He says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I know who I was. I was a deceiver and I got the blessing of my father through deception. I got this spiritual inheritance of the blessing, but I, I, I got it through my identity as a deceiver. And now he's wrestling with God and he's saying, God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. I don't want something that I got through deception. I don't want something I got through my old identity. I want this now and to know that this is from you and you alone. God, I've wrestled with my past. I've wrestled with my identity long enough. Well, there's some something that happens when you get down to an altar. You get come on in your face and you say, God, I know who I was. God, I know the things that I've, I've become because of what I've done in my past. But God, when I need get, or when I get in your presence, I'm not going to let go until I walk different. I'm not going to let go until I act different, until I speak different, until I look different. God, I want your blessing. I want your identity on my life. And that's what Jacob was saying when he says, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. God, I don't want something that's my old identity. And I need your blessing on my life. When he got into the presence of God, something changed. Something changed. God recognized and he says, I'm just going to give you a brand new name. He had a new relationship with the God that he served. On Revelation it says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. He says, this is a, a new name that will be written down in heaven. A new name we will receive. When it's a new name that no man may know except he that receives it. We could have our, our, our musicians come. Well, there's somebody today that, that you're wrestling with this right now. Come on, you're saying, come on, what, my past identity, I know who I was. But it's a, this can only change. It's not just by, come on, just flipping a switch in your mind and saying, okay, I'm going to live a new identity. 
The only way that this can happen is when you get into the presence of God and you start wrestling with God and you say, Lord, my old identity was this, but God, I need to get into your presence and I'm not going to get out of it until you've changed me. Come on, I don't want something that I've changed. I don't want it to be something in my mind that I thought, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going to act better. I'm going to live better. This isn't about you doing better. This isn't about you acting better. This isn't about you making up in your mind, I'm going to be different when you've tried that before. This is about getting in to the presence of God and God doing that. God making you better. God, cha- come on, God changing your identity. It's about coming out, going into the place and coming out a brand new person. It's about coming to an altar and saying, God, I'm messed up. Break me and put me back together the way that you see fit. Mold me, God. Oh, my, my, I've been so wrapped up in the things of this world, God, that my identity is, is, I'm named by this world. God, they have my name. You get in the presence of God and everything can change. Oh, God has a new name for you today. God has a brand new name for you. As as you draw closer to Him, He's desiring. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He doesn't want you to be burdened by your past any longer. You don't have to be defined by your family tree, the mistakes that you've made. Well, can we stand all throughout this place right now? We're going to sing a song about a new name, but there's somebody right now who you need to find a place where you can let God give you the new name. It's not just about you claiming it and saying it, but it's about God giving it to you. We're going to sing this about a new name, but there needs to be somebody who has a new name because God gave it to you. This altar, come on, it's calling you. If this altar is calling you right now, would you make your way right here and say, God, I need you. Come on, there's somebody right now. God wants to give you a new name. Would you, come on, would you worship with us today? Would you help somebody? Come on, begin to pray right now. Jesus. I was lost in shame, could not get past my flame till he called my name. I'm so glad he changed me. Darkness held me down, but Jesus pulled me out. Have no longer bound. I'm so glad he saved me. I'm now a new creation in Christ. The old has gone into life. I live.
the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. There is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I've met the author of my story. I cannot escape this day without saying if you haven't had his name applied to your life amen it says that when you go down and you will go in the name of Jesus and you're baptized in that name that his name is applied to your life and you have a new name a new name a new identity if you haven't been baptized in Jesus name Amen. This baptismal is ready to ready today. You can have a name that's written down in heaven. Come on, that name of Jesus Christ can be applied to your life. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We still have those praying right now. Amen. I want us to sing one more song. I know we have many meetings, things taking place, but let's just amen. Take just a moment longer and let's just let God. Amen. Reach down in this place right now. You can do all things You can do all things But fail Cause you never lost a battle No, you never lost a battle And I know 
miracles when you move such an easy thing for you to do and your hand is moving right now you are still showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus and your voice is calling me out and right now I know you're able cause my Bad. 